2: Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your pack updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And, of course, you can find us over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined, as always, by Andrew Mertig. Andrew, it is week 16, and it is a good time to be a Green Bay Packer fan. And we are back for another Friday edition of the podcast.
3: It is great to be back in the game on Sunday. That was really great, too. Like, the crowd was hyped. We spent basically the whole game standing. I love that. The fans were loud when they were supposed to be. They were quiet when they were supposed to be. And there was not even one single hint of the wave. Woo! Really cool. It, it, It was really cool to see Lambeau being an intimidating place to play, especially headed into what should be at least one home playoff game.
2: Yeah, I will say one of my favorite things about getting up to Lambeau for the Lions game earlier this fall was getting to experience the crowd really into the game and up on their feet uh, when the team was on defense, of course, and those kinds of things. And as Andrew said, that home field advantage is something that the Packers are playing for this weekend for sure. And hopefully that crowd noise is something that the fans can bring to the postseason to help this team out just a little bit as we get into some of those really meaningful games.
3: Yeah, it's been kind of a snowball effect, and we heard on Packers transplants Matt Lafleur being the guest uh, for for Aaron and and uh, huge, Corey, huge. which was just it was nuts. It, that that's super cool. And if you haven't checked that out, go back and check it out. But the the coach talked about you know the the crowd and the impact that they have and the intentional effort that they made to get the fans engaged, and you see it from the beginning. They have this really cool package where they're going around the community i I don't know if you remember that part but it's like you know the frozen lake and the bay and and, you know they they're going around building all this momentum and then the video packages in between plays and it's it's cool it's it's great i i mean i've been to a lot of games at lambo where the crowd hasn't been fantastic Um, But all year, it just keeps getting better and better and better. And and man, you felt it for that Bears game. But one thing that I wanted to talk about, Andy brought up on Monday, it is cool that you and I got to go to the game together, which you've mentioned now as well. And then Steve and Dusty got to meet up and Maggie and Nick and Jacob Got to meet up Sunday at Lambeau and I, I was bummed that I missed out and I actually went to the Cheesehead TV meetup, but I was a little bit late <laughs> and everyone had ditched out to the warmer weather of the Benke house. So um, sad to just have barely missed out on it, but I, I did want to say like it's an honor to get to do this podcast it's weird how we've sort of turned into a little bit of a family. And that's something that as we approach the holidays, I can really appreciate it. It was funny when you and I met for the first time in real life earlier this fall for that game, it was kind of like we were old friends, right? Like we've been doing yeah. this for a while and um, you know, we see each other as we record and then, you know, to, to meet up it, that was, that was really awesome. And, and, I said on Twitter earlier this week, it's been a little bit of a hard time in my personal life, and it has been an honor and a privilege to have a hobby that allows me to interact with so many other people who love the same team that I do. Kyle, I, I did the math here. By my count, one of us, or both of us, and uh, in, in most situations, have done 73 consecutive Friday podcasts.
2: That's crazy. But,
3: like all good things, that is going to come to an end. Next week. Uh, no, don't worry, people. We're not breaking up. But uh, <laughs> that we'll so little, bad. <laughs> yeah, no. We'll be back the week after. But we'll talk a little bit more about why that is later in the episode. But it is cool to think about the last year and a half and where we started and where we've come. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's—it's it's super, super cool. It's I'm in, honored to incredible. be here. It's incredible, awesome. man. 73 consecutive weeks
2: of the podcast. That's a pretty incredible. Just It's impressive, and I know there are um, a couple in there, like you said, that I was slacking off and you were carrying the show, Uh, but man, this podcast is one of my favorite things every single week, and as Andrew said, it's really amazing how over the past year and a half, Packaday has, it's been a team that's become more than just a podcast, but it's really become a community, Um, and that includes you, the listeners, who listen to us rant about all things Packers, podcasts. Oreos, bananas, and so many other ridiculous things. Uh, and you guys give us feedback on Twitter, and we so just want to say thank you uh, for joining us in this and allowing us to be part of your Packers experience. Uh, but let's get to some football. Andrew, what do you say? Football. Football. The Packers are 11-3, and 3, and that is totally worth celebrating. Let's let's make sure we don't discount what it is to be 11-3. and 3. But the Packers... But, but have- Kyle... Kyle, they're not winning pretty. They're not winning pretty. I made it like thirty seconds into. This what are the of people who
3: conduct <laughs> the NFL polls going to think about these ugly wins? They are discrediting the Green Bay Packers,
2: which is totally fine because that means no one's taking us seriously, which means that we can beat them.
3: That's the that's what I'm going with. All right, is that, is that fair? Yeah, I just I think it's the most ridiculous thing in the world and it's kind of been beaten to death that Wednesday's crew did a really good job of talking about like, you know, who cares about ugly wins, wins are wins in the NFL and moving on. And and so I don't want to beat a dead horse there, but I, I, I do I do still think it's really funny that people can't get over that when, you know, you, you see other top teams in the NFC losing, but nobody discredits them. This is absolutely true. The Seahawks have been well-documented now that
2: they're in a very similar boat to the Packers as far as this conversation, but are not getting talked about by the media. And I do want to be a little bit of a dead horse here, Andrew, because I felt like the Packers played a pretty good game this week. And I I will say that fourth quarter is one that you'd like to burn. Uh, You just want to talk about those first three quarters. But I will say the first three quarters of that game against Chicago were some of the most exciting and promising the, the, the gameplay was really well played. There were the drops and the mistakes throughout. Uh, but I think if you if they were to able to execute what they wanted to execute, you were really excited with what you saw on the field uh, for those first three quarters. So I don't really feel that bad about this being an ugly win. I was pretty excited about that win.
3: Yeah, and I'm totally in the same boat. I'm sorry. I, I think I just drove you totally off your point. <laughs> but I wanted to get that little dig in there while I could.
2: You just wanted to see if you could totally derail me and it totally worked. Mm -hmm. Um, But... The Packers
3: have a game this Monday
2: night. Let's talk about that. Um, This is arguably their biggest game of the season. Uh, They face the hated Minnesota Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium. And so Andrew and I are back today with another round of key matchups and X-Factors because we want to see what big matchups and what individual players are going to play pivotal roles in this divisional game that if Green Bay were to win would allow them to clinch that NFC North title and keep them in the conversation for a first-round playoff by. So uh, big things at stake in week 16 here. So let's start on offense. Andrew, what matchup in this game is going to have your attention when the Packers have the football
3: on Monday night football? Ooh, I wanted to get really creative here. And then I kept looking at you know, the Vikings defense and wondering what the biggest issue that the Packers could potentially face are. And I came up with something really blatantly obvious, and that's Aaron Rodgers against the Vikings linebackers. Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr are going to create issues for just about any team. Now, I do personally think Anthony Barr is a little bit overrated, but Kendricks may be playing as well as any off-ball linebacker in the entire league. And if there is one area on the field where Aaron Rodgers has gotten a little bit careless with the ball it's throwing over the middle with dropping linebackers you saw that with Nick Kwiatkowski almost getting him on Sunday and historically it's been a little bit of a blind spot in 12's field visions field vision Rodgers is going to have to move the linebackers with his eyes and that's going to require the time in the pocket to do that and the Packers have to establish enough of a running game to get them moving in play action when I think about teams who have exposed the Mike Zimmer defense, it is almost always with play action. Philadelphia sliced and diced their way through the defense by doing just that. They manipulated linebackers and safeties with, you know, the quote unquote RPO is whatever you want to call their, their play action and, and run game. But the, the Packers have, be able to do that with play action aaron jones had 116 yards rushing on 23 carries uh for for those of you who have calculators that's five yards per carry in the first matchup this season and it is going to take that kind of performance to allow Rodgers to be effective in the pass game because as a play action can give him time that's going to leave opportunities for his weapons to get open. So somehow I managed to start with Aaron Rodgers and end up with Aaron Jones. I don't know. <laughs> don't follow my logic there, but it's really important what they're going to do against those two linebackers because, you know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't make a lot of mistakes. You know, say what you want about his effectiveness this year. He just doesn't make a lot of mistakes, but the, the ones he does tend to be against those those linebackers roaming in the middle of the field, and Eric Kendricks is as good as it gets. Yeah, Eric Kendricks was one of my biggest draft
2: crushes when he came out in the draft. And so it still kills me to this day to see him in that purple uniform. Um, I saw this. This is off the top of my head. But I believe he has 12 passes defensed as a linebacker this year, which is a huge, huge stat for a linebacker. Obviously, something we would... uh, we would covet as a Packer fan in a linebacker right now. That kind of coverage ability would be huge. I think he may be pro football Focus's top rated linebacker as well. So just an incredibly talented player that is going to impact the game and be a matchup to watch for sure. Um, But I am going to be watching the Packers wide receivers versus the Vikings corners. And this is something I'm watching because it has multiple layers First, the Packers wide receiver group may look a little bit different this week. LaFleur has spoken openly about giving more reps to Jake Kummerow, which the majority of fans are going to be pretty excited about. And MVS's reps have really fallen off the last several weeks. And we had that huge uh, drop that we saw from him in the first quarter against the Bears. And Geronimo makes those big plays here and there. But the consistency from him, it's just not there. And the drops certainly are. Uh, But if you had told me at the beginning of this season that the Packers would be eleven and three, headed into week sixteen with Devontae Adams, Lazard and Kumaro as their preferred receivers. This is something that they are choosing to do on purpose. I would have just said that you were nuts if that was your wide receiver group that you were intentionally putting out there. But I'm really, really excited to see how Lazard and Kumaro continue to grow in their experience and their usage in this offense. Um, And so lots and lots of things to see there. The other part of this conversation for me is that the Vikings defense – is really, really talented. Harrison Smith. We talked about Eric Kendricks. The edge position is really, really strong for them. But corner is kind of a weakness for this team. Rhodes has been bad. Trey Waynes is bad. Uh, With Harrison Smith and Kendricks in the middle, I think that will limit the tight end and some of those deep shots that we've seen the Packers take over the middle. Uh, But I think we'll see our wide receivers working the sidelines a lot in this one. One more thing to note about the wide receivers in this game. Friend of the podcast, Ben Fennel noted on Twitter on Wednesday that Devonte Adams played a season-high 15 snaps from the slot on Sunday against the Bears. And with Lazard and now Kumaro showing that they can win outside... Adams could be quite a weapon from the slot and could have a growing role there. Something um, else I found really, really interesting, and obviously Adams has had a really, really weird season adjusting to a new offense and being out for several games with an injury, but Devontae only has four touchdowns this season. Three of them have come when he's lined up in the slot. And so lots and lots to watch in this game on Monday night with the receiving group. And so I'll be watching to see if this evolving wide receiver group can find some success against this pretty good Vikings defense.
3: Yeah. And the one thing I I think people have jumped on a quote unquote lack of talent at wide receiver is, is a big weakness on this team. But one of the interesting things that Matt LaFleur has continued to do is rotate his receivers through, and sometimes in line changes. And you're even seeing Devontae Adams come off the field at times, and he he's allowing himself to use that personnel in the best way possible. So sometimes you see, you know, Alan Lazard moving into sort of behind the offensive line as an extra blocker. You see, um, you know, in in running situations, them utilizing the best blocking wide receivers. And then sometimes they're using those personnel groupings to get the defense to assume that they're doing one thing when they're actually doing another. So I've liked the creativity. It hasn't always worked, but I think they're setting some things up to uh, or, or really setting them up for the playoffs. Hey, so I just wanted to mention really, really fast. Uh, Something else I didn't mention
2: is that I saw this week that according to Pro Football Focus, both Jake Kummerow and Alan Lazard are both ranked in the top 10 as pass or as run blocking wide receivers, which we don't ever talk about that because that's not what we think of when we think of wide receivers. But that's a pretty big stat and another not a stat, but in an evaluation of a player and another reason that Lafleur may want to see them on the the field even more because they can possibly positively impact the game in even more ways than just when they're catching the football.
3: Yeah, we knew Lazard was a good blocker, and you've talked about how you wanted him as a potential converted tight end. And he's playing a little bit of that role, but he's also obviously showing that he can win on the outside. Allison's always been a pretty strong blocking receiver, and I think that's one of the things that keeps him on the field. One, he's Consistently where he needs to be, even if he doesn't always catch the ball. And I know Aaron Rodgers appreciates that. And then also, of course, that that blocking is impactful. Um, I'd like to see less of Geronimo Allison, but I, I think we'll continue to see him as a big part of that rotation, uh, regardless of what we prefer. But you had mentioned Xavier Rhodes. Um, and it is alarming how quickly Xavier Rhodes' game has Eroded. <laughs> See what I did there? Like I that? Do. Yeah. Uh, and I'm with you here. the The key to beating the Vikings' defense is having the time to pick on their corners. That, but that's tough to do. the The Packers have held up reasonably well against all pass rushers that don't currently reside in California. And I, I think establishing that play action will be the key to exposing the weaknesses that you're pointing out. So, kudos on picking two things that kind of play into each other.
2: Yeah, yeah, so lots and lots to pay attention to on offense here. Uh, but let's switch over to the defense. Uh, Andrew, what matchup will have your attention this week when Green, Green Bay, rather, my goodness, is out there on defense?
3: I'm going to go with uh, Dalvin Cook versus the world. Uh, <laughs> well, or at least the Packers' defense. Cook is injured. We we know that. He, In my opinion, he should not play, but he is going to. Do I, I feel like he's going to play? That. Not only is he a tough dude, but Mike Zimmer is an old-school coach-slash-idiot-slash-pirate who is <laughs> going to want his guy to tough it out. I, I personally think this is idiotic because the Vikings have a very slim chance of winning the division, so they should really make sure Cook is okay for the playoffs. But even at 80%, Cook is one of the most dangerous players in the league, and the Packers' defense He's in on the run surprisingly well given their personnel but against running backs in the passing game uh they they can cause a real nightmare matchup against Mike Pettin's group so I'm I'm real worried about Cook being out there um both for his own health but also for the Packers winning this game and and I I really do think that they're going to find a way to get him to play
2: I'm a little bit worried about Mike Zimmer if he's a coach idiot and pirate combo. That's a pretty serious, uh, it's a pretty serious deal he's got going on there. But I yep. will definitely be paying attention uh, to Cook. And whether or not he plays in this game, this is the fourth time since high school that Cook has had a shoulder injury, and this is an injury that players do come back and play with relative—they uh, they play relatively quickly sometimes after this kind of injury. But I was also reading that these dislocation injuries are also relatively easy to re-injure, which would put Cooks in postseason danger. Like Andrew said, maybe the Vikings should be more—you know—cautious and make sure that they have him for the postseason and those kinds of things. But but if he's out there, he can take over a game, and the Packers will definitely have to prepare accordingly. Um, but for me, no.
3: I, I just, sorry. So this just popped into my head. I remember Emmett Smith with the Cowboys playing with a dislocated shoulder. Yes. <laughs> And he could only hold out on the ball with one arm, and his his other arm was just dangling. Um, and so, like a little bit different times, but for whatever reason, I don't know if it's the holidays or whatnot. But that that thought just popped into my head.
2: It's an image that you know, obviously, Mike Zimmer would be proud of. Um, yeah, I think that's right. what... yeah, classic <laughs> tough guys. Um, that's that's the film that he's having Cook watch this week. Um, but for me. I'm talking about Kenny Clark again, and if you don't want to hear about Kenny Clark, you can just fast-forward the next 30 seconds of this podcast, but I will not stop talking about Kenny Clark. I do think that this is the fourth time this season that Clark has made my key matchups list, and he has wrecked every single one of those games, and one of those games was against the Vikings and Garrett Bradbury earlier this season. Clark dominated center Garrett Bradbury, and unfortunately for the Vikings, Bradbury has not gotten much better over the course of the season, and Clark has been on an absolute tear the last couple of weeks, and so I almost, almost feel bad for Bradbury because he really doesn't stand a chance in this game. According to Pro Football Focus, there are only three starting centers in the league who grade worse than Bradbury and Pass Pro, and Clark is is a top five pass rushing defensive tackle in the league. So that is not necessarily a recipe for success if you are Garrett Bradbury. Uh, Not to mention the Vikings have issues at guard as well. Elfline is pretty solid at left guard, but I think it's Josh Klein who struggles at right guard next to Bradbury. So uh, I know this is redundant. I keep talking about Kenny Clark, but it's true and it's a huge, huge matchup to watch in this game. And I think Clark has a chance to wreck this game for Minnesota and really be a problem for Kirk Cousins on Sunday. I guess this would be on Monday night football, not Sunday.
3: Yeah, uh, you, are, <laughs> you are correct. I thought this was a Sunday night game for a very long time until about three weeks ago. Um, I think you and I both really liked Bradbury and the build up to the draft. In fact, when we did our breakdown of round one for the podcast, I believe I said Bradbury was the the best pick of the first round, not the best player, obviously, but the best value for, you know, also meeting a team need. But I don't think everyone thought, or I I don't think there was anyone who thought he didn't need more functional strength. I just didn't think that it would be this bad. He has been getting absolutely tossed around and nobody plays the bouncer role better than Kenny Clark. But, you know, you mentioned, I got one big concern here. I feel like you just pick Kenny Clark against the opposing center every week as the key defensive matchup. It's, you know, I'm disappointed in your creativity, quite frankly. And I think you just want to be right so you pick the, you know, most impactful player on their whole defense every single time. Quit cheating, Kyle. Quit cheating. I will say... Creativity
2: has never been my strength, okay? I'm surprised that you are surprised about that. Uh, But honestly, I'm pretty sure the only reason I'm here on this podcast is to have a place to talk about the boring football thoughts that enter my head and have nowhere else to escape. So admittedly boring, admittedly redundant. And admittedly, lacking creativity. That's, that's And I'm just
3: accurate. here to rationally scream about things. So, <laughs> that's fun too. Hey, by the way, we've made it through this this whole segment about the Vikings offense that didn't talk about their wide receivers at all. That's weird. Um, but one personal side note, I'm always really excited to see Jair Alexander match up against Stefan Diggs. Two really great young players. They're both ultra competitive. I, re- I like Diggs a ton as a player, but you know the purple makes me hate him as an individual, although just just between you and I, don't tell anybody else. he seems like a pretty good dude too. Yeah, Jair versus Diggs is always a
2: great matchup. And I remember vividly watching Diggs torch, the Marius Randall, um, and that being one of the most painful experiences of my life. So I'm always thankful to see someone else wearing number twenty three across from Stephon Diggs. Um, But those are our key matchups that we'll be paying attention to this week. Now let's talk about some X-Factor players. These are players that we think can play a surprisingly big role for the Packers on Monday. Um, Andrew, who is your X-Factor
3: selection for this week? Ooh, this was a tough one for me, but... I went with Jay Sternberger. I know I keep harping on the same point, but to beat the Vikings defense, you either have to give your quarterback time to beat the corners, or you have to suck the linebackers up with play action and throw between them and the safeties. And I think the Packers can do the latter. I I would almost pick Jimmy Graham, but I've seen enough growth from Sternberger recently to think he's ready to have his breakout performance. Aaron Rodgers has to be seeing Jace open on film and thinking of looking his way on more routes over the middle and up the sideline on those wheel routes. If the tight end group can have a strong performance, I think the offense can find more consistent success than they have been able to in the last couple months.
2: Yeah, a couple weeks ago, I picked Jace to have a breakout game, and then of course he was inactive, Uh, so maybe this is the week that Rodgers finds him wide open along that right sideline for the score, as we've seen on some of those replays, but for me, I'm going to say Chandon Sullivan is my X Factor this week, and I know that when King is healthy and the Packers have their normal three cornerbacks starting out there, Sullivan's role will shrink a little bit, but Sullivan has been one of the Packers' most reliable players whenever he given an opportunity, and the Vikings have two tight ends to account for in Irv Smith Jr. and Kyle Rudolph, so I think there may be reason to get a guy like Sullivan on the field a little bit more to help in pass coverage, and Sullivan has shown himself to be that playmaker kind of a player, and so if I'm picking a dark horse to make a play on a Kirk Cousins pass, I'm going to pick Shannon Sullivan to show up as a difference maker in this one.
3: Yeah, I really like that. And, you know, Sullivan's such a cool story to go from kind of an afterthought pickup to somebody who had essentially no chance to make this team. And then you hear or well, you read Andy Herman tweeting about him just making play after play after play in training camp. And then in the preseason, he looked really good. And now now he's playing meaningful reps. That's super cool. Seems like a great guy. Um, at least from, you know, the the few interviews you've seen and, and his social media interactions and, like, just what a great story.
2: Yeah, yeah, it really is. And his contribution has been huge for this defense. No, no way around it. And it could be a huge get for the Packers if he was able to step in uh, to a, a role that uh, Tremont Williams is playing right now or something like that um, without the Packers having to go back to the well and find someone in the draft. So a really nice surprise pickup that the Packers found this year.
3: So we've, we've talked about the offense, the, the Packers offense against Vikings defense. We've talked about the Vikings offense against Packers defense. We've talked about our X factor picks. Um, but now, you know, this gets a little emotional. We, we our 73 consecutive Friday podcast streak is coming to the end. You know, we were together like, like Cal Ripken or Brett Favre, right? I think we had the only active streak going on and, and it's all going to come to an end because we're both going to be out of town. Uh, any, any thoughts?
2: It's, it's a real shame, you know, like, uh, we could, uh, we could pull a Brett Favre and, you know, threaten retirement and then not, you know, like we could, we could be here next week and people will just wouldn't, they'd have to deal with it. You know, I don't know, but it's pretty amazing, man. 73 consecutive is, is a pretty good streak. It's been fun the whole time.
3: So, pulling back the curtain, there have been times when we were recorded a few days in advance. Um and we could have done that except for me, because uh, I'm actually going out of the country on Monday, which means that I won't even I, we, if we recorded early, we wouldn't even know what happened to the Viking game. and that's not really <laughs> doing anybody any credit. You know, like it, there there are times when we we feel pressured to record in advance. Like, for instance, if, if I was going to go to the Star Wars movie the night before when we normally record, we might record it one more night early, you know, not, not right, giving it right. away, but um, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. So um, one thing for me, I have to figure out where I can get ESPN in Mexico. Uh, <laughs> I, I planned this flight assuming that the game was on Sunday night, as I alluded to earlier in the show. And now I'm like, Oh no. I really hope that my hotel has ESPN or at least good, good enough internet to stream. So we'll see. Otherwise I will be the most uneducated podcaster. That's right. And you know, that you're only
2: discrediting yourself even more by leaving the country. We know that you have to be within general, you know, approximate regional access to Lambeau field to know anything about the green Bay Packers. So Uh by going to Mexico, you know nothing now, basically. You're uh, going to start yeah. over from
3: scratch, so yeah. good luck, man. Just like Jon Snow, I know nothing. <laughs> you may not understand the reference, but we're going to go with it, and that's how we're going to wrap up the show with uh, Kyle pretending to laugh at my joke. That is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packet A Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter, at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me, at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow, at Packet A Podcast. Subscribe and Wraith podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode, we're going to get an update on the injury report for Monday's game, which will be really important, especially that Delvin Cook update. You can catch Kyle and myself every Friday, except next Friday. And a huge, huge thank you to Jacob Westendorf for taking the reins while Kyle and I are traveling over Christmas. So make sure you tune in to next week's show with Jacob as he gets you ready for Week 17 in the Detroit Lions. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Oh <laughs>